Welcome to Grain IQ, a podcast about grain marketing and uh, taking that crop that you grow and getting it, getting it marketed uh, out in uh, off of the farm and, and into uh, those use channels. Uh, my name is Chad Moyer. I am the host of the Grain IQ podcast. And today we're going to talk a little bit about budgeting and how that plays in to your marketing plan. We have two guests with us here today, Glennis McClure, a Nebraska Extension educator and also with the uh, Center for uh, uh, the... Uh, Help me out. Uh, Center, for Ag Center for Ag Profitability at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Thank you very much. Uh, she's kind of the budgeting specialist, uh, has just actually come out with the budgets for the next crop year. We're going to walk through that. And then also on the panel today is Luke Beckman. Luke is with Central Valley Ag Cooperative and uh, helps with uh, uh, helping uh, market that grain on behalf of their farmer members. So thank you so much for being here, guys. Uh, maybe... Um, Maybe we can just start with some opening comments and some opening thoughts. Glennis, we'll start with you. Uh, if you can, just uh, this idea of budgeting, we know that it's important for a farming operation, but how, how does budgeting connect with our grain marketing activities? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Well, that's definitely one of the key points that I teach when I have the opportunity is that we've got our egg budgets that we are crop budgets, we have livestock budgets, but um, you know, every year we update those budgets. And one of the key things I always talk to, and this, this week I had a chance to talk to a bunch of students, um, actually at Northeast Community College, and um, when I say, you know, We've really got to use budgets for marketing purposes. I mean, that's a very, very key reason why. We can also do some other things with our budgets, cost control, comparing you know, profitability on different um, enterprises. But that's uh, one of the things that we really try to focus on is um, understanding our cost production should help us make some decisions when it comes to the marketing. Okay. And so let's take that to the next level, Luke. Uh, as you work with farmers and uh, that are members of the, the cooperative, when they have an active living document like a budget, how does that help you as you try to help them market their grain? Well, it's really step number one, you know, when you are putting a marketing plan together, you need to know what it's going to cost to raise whatever it is you're raising, whether that's a bushel of corn, you know, you're trying to feed cattle, feed hogs, whatever it is, uh, you need to know what it costs. It gives you confidence to pull the trigger and to market grain uh, if you know that you're locking profits in when you're doing it. Otherwise, it's just a big guessing game uh, as people try to pick highs and get as much as they can. Uh, those are traps that you can fall into. Uh, if you're flying blind, which is really what happens when you don't know what it's costing you to raise that bushel. Yeah. And maybe since you bring that up, maybe uh, what are the pitfalls? What are the, uh, if, if you don't have a budget in hand and you try to start marketing grain, what, what can happen? Well, it's an emotional process, uh, marketing grain is. We find uh, that producers have a hard time letting the crop go. They do a really good job of growing it. Uh, that's kind of the fun part uh, in farming. Uh, but letting that crop go seems to be an issue for a lot of people. And, you know, you grow the crop to sell it. And so the emotional aspect really gets in the way sometimes of making sound decisions, uh, make, making logical decisions. Um, so that's a big pitfall is, is just getting too emotional in the process. And uh, just the nature of markets and how they cycle, uh, emotion drives the market. It pushes it higher. It pushes it lower. And uh, watching that continuously and trying to guess where it's going, 
uh, that's that's a major problem for a lot of producers as they try to market their grain. So again, being rooted in some sort of a budget, knowing what it's going to cost you to raise that bushel helps remove some of the emotion from that process. Yeah. And just as there are several ways to market grain, there's pre-harvest marketing op options and there's post-harvest marketing, right? Um, how, how early can you put together a budget if you're into pre-harvest marketing? You know what I mean? Because um, markets trade, what, three years out on a, on a corn or soybean crop? Uh, can you have a budget if you're really into pre-harvest marketing? Yeah, it really depends, Chad, on, on the operation, I think. You know, if, uh, as Glennis will probably share, you know, the, the 2024 numbers, they just finalized those. Um, but producers, you know, depending on their equity position, could have some more confidence to do it even earlier. Uh, it really depends on what your uh, real estate situation looks like. You know, are you primarily farming owned ground versus rented? Uh, what's the lease terms uh, that you have in your hands? If it's a year-to-year -year situation, that becomes a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, fertilizer prices are typically available, you know, a year and a half before harvest actually hits. Um, so that's going to be a big question mark uh, on the budget in terms of what do I need, uh, you know, to pay for this crop. But we tend to find that producers that have a pretty good idea of what costs are going to be year-to-year, and again, that's rooted in the real estate, uh, what do I know? Uh, you know, my land cost is going to be, those producers uh, tend to be or can be more aggressive uh, just because they have more confidence in what those costs are going to be. Um, and that lends them to pre-harvest marketing and doing that aggressively. Yep. All right. Well, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts about uh, the budgeting, first of all. Um, and, and Glennis, I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, describe the tool that Nebraska Extension has helped put together. You have a myriad, a suite of sample budgets that producers can take a look at. Before we go through some examples, just give us a, a little bit of premise. Um, how did these, how have these developed over time? Where did they come from? Things like that. Well, again, I'm an ag economist, and so I'm a numbers person, really. I have to work really closely with our crop specialists, our crop educators, as well as our livestock folks on the livestock side of things. Um, but those um, budgets, we've had ag economists sort of leading the way along with um, a crop educator, actually Bob Klein out in our um, North Platte Center, who is an emeritus, um, actually is still very passionate about helping with the crop budgets, helping with um, kind of looking at what those input numbers look like, what those material costs are going to look like each year. And so I really appreciate Bob's help. And then we have a team of folks. We have plant pathologists, entomologists. We have um, some of those folks that are looking at those budgets and making some recommendations. I know for this next year, we had a plant pathologist say, we need to change some things um, on the fungicide area. Whether And I can't recall, but I think it was where we uh, increased some... Um, uh, some numbers there and also some different products products come out some mm. things change with that and of course we're seeing some weed pressures um, and so what do we do about those so again we're working with those folks that really understand what needs to go into those crops each year yep all right so uh, let's uh, let's talk about them so if a, a crop budget um, what define a crop budget? What is contained in that document? Well, there's you know a, a few key things there, and primarily it's first off we look at field operation costs, and that includes our labor, our fuel, um, 
repairs on equipment. Of course, the equipment is very you know, integral in field operations. And so we have ownership costs also, repairs and ownership. Ownership including depreciation costs that we need to cover those costs over the long run, as well as opportunity costs or cost of investment. Because nowadays we can have a million, two million tied up in equipment very, very easy. So what would, what's, the, what's our opportunity investment cost on that? And so that's really key, the field operation area. And then, along with those field operations, what are we inputting into the crop? So the fertilizer, the seed, the pesticides, all of those costs go in as a part of a budget, too. And then now we've got interest costs, too, because we're tying up a lot of money into those, into those, um, in those crops. And so we've got to look at that, as well as, as Luke mentioned, the land costs whether it's cash rent or whether it's an opportunity cost of our ownership, would go into those budgets. So that's, that's key. Now, with our new budget format and our ag budget calculator, we also have an opportunity for people to say, well, this is what um, I would project that price to be, and then what's my net revenue look like? What does my net look like on each of those, uh, each of those enterprises? And in the past, with our Excel format, we still do both. Mm -hmm. We do them in Excel, and we also do them now we, we transfer that information over into our ag budget calculator, um, but we have, um, we have the opportunity now for folks to look at both, but also um, go in. And one of the reasons we're doing that is we really want folks to, they can look at our budgets all they want, but we really want them to transform those budgets into their own. So what we do those for primarily are as guides. We want folks to just use those, go in and make the changes, use our new budget calculator, and work from there. Okay, remind me to come back to that ag budget calculator if we don't, uh, because okay. I want to spend some time on that too. But uh, as you were describing what the budget is, I heard uh, there's, there's kind of a couple of different categories, right? There, uh -huh. there are things that I think we understand we pay for. We write a check for seed. We get financing for a piece of equipment. You know, those, those, I, those are tangible things that I am going to either lay cash on the table or write a check for. But there are other things that are included in the budget that we might not necessarily think is an outlay of money or, or capital. Why is it important that you have both of those in a budget? Well, um, again, one of the principles of economics is that in the long run, you're okay to cover, in the short run, sorry, we might just cover cash costs depending on the market, depending on, and several years ago, that's what, really what we were doing. We weren't always covering all costs, and all costs include those non-cash depreciation and opportunity costs. All right, and, and it's important to have both of those because longer term, those are gonna be more important, is that what you're saying? Right, long term, uh, so as, in, you know, as an economist or whatever, that's what we look at, is we look at wanting to cover all costs. And so in our budgets though, you'll see there's a cash, a cash total, like what's your cash cost per bushel, you know, per unit, and as well as a total, and we call it total economic cost mm -hmm. per bushel or per unit. Okay, let's take some examples, Glennis. Uh, let's. Uh, uh, oh, I should ask you. Your the budget tool available from Nebraska Extension. I, I called it a suite. How many different budget examples are in there? Oh, we actually have, um, and we've done this for the last several years, about 84 different crop budgets. There's 26, 27 corn budgets. Part of them are dryland budgets. Part of them are irrigated budgets. As well as we've got, um, you know, some dryland and irrigated soybeans. 
Um, we've got same with wheat. We've got you know those are kind of the key. But we've got sugar beets for those folks out west. Uh, we've got some cover crop budgets in there. Um, of course, grain sorghum still. Mm-hmm. So that eighty, those eighty-four budgets represent fifteen different crops in Nebraska. Okay, let's take an example about. Uh, well, let's start with corn, for example. Um, maybe we can do a, a an irrigated corn scenario. Um, can you? And again, this is kind of referencing twenty twenty-four because uh-huh. that's just what came out uh, as we are doing right. this podcast. But right. um, just give us a few examples. What has changed? in the budget from like an irrigated corn scenario from 2023 crop to 2024? Okay, well, one of the key things that we saw, um, again, if you look at sort of what input costs have been doing, uh, sort of related to oil and fuel and so on, you know, we had a run up in in those costs in in the last couple years, including fertilizer. Now that's kind of come back down. We've got a softening of the prices on fertilizer and on fuel. So again, that fuel kind of lends itself into those operation costs. And of course, the fertilizer is the input cost. So on the corn side of things, we didn't see a great increase in, in, in costs for 2024. Okay, I'd say they're pretty, pretty level, so to speak. Okay, now some of our pesticides that we've, as we've done some research, some of our pesticides actually, you know, we've, have, well, they, I'd say overall relatively steady to a little bit up. Okay, all right, and so, um, so we're looking at as we look at our different um, um, irrigated corn budgets. Um, we're seeing, I'm trying to find my figure here. So we're seeing about, um, we, we have um, like on a 239 bushel average yield on irrigated corn. So I, I put basically sum those all together, mm-hmm. all of our irrigated budgets. And uh, so 239 bushel, we're looking at about 458 as a total cost per bushel average um, on, on those budgets for this next year. And, and that's probably just a few cents difference than it was last year. So it's kind of, it's relatively steady. And on the dry land side of things, we had um, 11 11 different corn budgets there, and we're looking at 477 per bushel on 150 bushel average on dry land. Mm -hmm. So that's statewide. Of course, it's going to vary from place to place. And again, um, our budgets may not be you know what your budgets are of course okay yep. so we always want folks to put in their own numbers yeah absolutely so that's total um any thoughts on what what is the cash cost if somebody is doing that 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 short term where that number might come in at well um on the cash side of things again i don't think we saw a lot of change there um and i don't know what i don't have that figure handy but um on the soybean side of things our cash costs were less because we aren't dealing with the fertilizer cost in soybeans, all right? So if that makes sense to you. Um, and, but we, yet we saw the soybean um, cost per bushel go up then. Yeah. Again, so if the fertilizer wasn't there and those pesticides were kind of inching up a bit, even though fuel is down, we had about a 45-cent difference in our, in our per-gallon fuel cost. Um, as we look at those budgets this year. But overall, I was, I was kind of reviewing those numbers, both on the dry land and on the irrigated side on soybeans. We're seeing about $11 as our total cost of production as we look at 2024. Yeah. So it's inching up there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we've got prices that are 
you know, still covering that for the most part, but one of those things to watch. Yeah. So uh, talk about that on soybeans. And and again, we have dry land soybean scenarios and irrigated soybean scenarios. So kind of summarize, you kind of hit on it, but expand (laughs) on it a little bit more. Uh, Were there big changes in the soybean budgets for this year? Again, um, I think we were about, I got about 39 to 46 cents more, whether it's dry land or irrigated, from what they were a year ago. And so we've got on a 47 bushel dry land um, is kind of what we're figuring for average yield on our dry land budgets and 73 bushel average on our irrigated. But both, both of them came in really close to that $11 per bushel mark. Okay, so Luke, I'm going to ask you this. She kind of nodded at you there for a second. Those, those numbers that she's put out for 2024, um, is the market going to give us an opportunity to cover our costs, do you think? Well, it's there today. Uh, you know, if you use the, I think you said four, four fifty, four sixty, right in there for irrigated corn. You know, if that's your number, you know, the market uh, is providing a small profit today. You know, to forward sales. Um, so I think the important thing is, you know, finding the numbers that are appropriate for your operation. You know, the the budgets that Glennis shared uh, are a starting point and should give you some information on, you know, what to plug in, but your operation's unique. You've got your own situation going on. So it's really the exercise of going through and building that budget that's important. And I think, uh, from what you've mentioned, you have that available, uh, online for people to go in and enter their own information, but finding your number, uh, is important as you start the grain marketing process. So if you, and, uh, you said corn is about th- that 450, give or take, uh, $11 soybeans seems like it's coverable again, as we talk today, as the market is operating today. Yeah, there's opportunities today to, uh, lock, you know, positive margins in, uh, on what we would call new crop today. Um, so producers are looking at that. This is an important time of the year as producers are making fertilizer and seed decisions. Uh, you know, cash leases will be a bigger part of the discussion after January 1st. Uh, so those variables kind of come into focus as we go throughout the year. But you've got some of the big hitters uh, already figured out uh, with, you know, seed, fertilizer, chemistry. Uh, those are some of the big costs that we, that we know about today or at least could act on if we so, cho- oh, so choose. Uh, and then you've got the grain marketing side on the other side. So uh, producers do have an opportunity to lock that in uh, as they're making those input decisions. Okay. Glennis, I'm going to come back to you and ask you, because uh, we talked about corn and soybeans specifically. Um, there are things that affect a grain operation no matter what you grow. Machinery costs, land costs, interest. Could we talk about how interest is changing, how much a bigger part of the budget interest is going into the next year? Exactly. Um, So we always figure in operating costs. So you take those cash, the cash outlay that you talk about, and then figure, um, you know, that that carrying cost on interest. But also then you got to think about even on your investment side of things, we have we have higher interest rates in the market. I mean, I, you know, CDs, it's five, five percent or higher. So, you know, again, we try to keep things pretty stable in our budgets. Um, we have that investment cost like at 3%, and we haven't changed that. So we have to keep that in mind, though, because if I'm really going to look at what is the opportunity cost of me tying up all of my, you know, all of those dollars in equipment or in land, uh, what is that truly, you know, in, in that sense? Um, but also another way we look at that opportunity cost of land is, I have land, I own land, and I'm farming it, but what could I get if someone else farmed it? What would be the cash rent 
value, and we talk about that as an opportunity cost as well. Yep. And so, I mean, and I that's that's really an important point. I think is that. Um, the land costs have actually gone up. Now, we haven't seen those come back down. So I use the Nebraska Real Estate Report and those figures for our values in our budgets. But again, that can be so different from one producer to another. What are they paying for their cash rent? Are they on shares? You know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, do they own that land and so on. So that can be a huge difference in our cost of production. Yep, and I was gonna ask both of you that, and that, I think that's a good segue to, what can change in our operation from year to year? And one of the things I thought of is if, if you acquired a quarter, ground, a quarter section or something like that, or um, really updated a piece of equipment, that warrants a review in your budget, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and so that's what's nice about being able to, if you were doing these budgets year to year, and you're also, and in fact, using our ag budget calculator, um, you can go in and just kind of change some of those things that you've maybe traded, or you know, adding a piece of land or whatever it might be, or changing those those rental values. So if you've got those things set up and you're you know working on those, you're going to be able to make those changes and see. And also, what's nice about um, like our ag budget calculator, I like to come back to that because it's really it's really a, a wonderful product. But um, we can um, we can easily make some changes, you know, in that and, and copy from year to year what we're doing with that, um, and also look at farm to farm, field to field, mm -hmm. because when you talk, when you add like another a quarter of ground or whatever, you can actually go in and say, okay, now what is that piece of ground? What is that going to cost me if I produce corn or soybeans or whatever it may be? Yep. Yeah, Luke, I want your perspective too. What could, what could change in a producer's budget year from from year to year? As as you work with growers, what what can maybe upset the budget that they have to deal with? Well, I think Glennis has highlighted some of the key key pieces of that. I mean, a lot of these are just operating costs associated with you know your input variables like seed, fertilizer, and chem. Producers know you know, that that market ebbs and flows, uh, tends to follow the commodity markets or certainly have an influence on that. Uh, but some of your fixed costs are probably the, the things that would surprise you. So it could be in a, you know, an equipment situation. Uh, it could certainly be, uh, you know, family living withdrawals is a huge part of it. You know, what are we using to support the family at home? Uh, those costs can certainly change, especially in the environment that we've been in with, you know, high inflation. Uh, so that's a fixed cost that goes against the acre or against the bushel. Uh, so that's a really big uh, impact. You had mentioned interest. You know, you want to keep your working capital position strong so that you're not, you know, uh, ballooning that line of credit. And we're seeing interest costs, you know, go up on that crop budget as well. But I would say fixed costs are the ones that you want to keep in check. Uh, and that changes if you go, you know, acquire property at, at uh, you know, high dollar per acre costs like we've seen happen. You mentioned the real estate uh, report. Uh, and then you're also financing those at pretty high interest rates today if you are financing a portion of that. So if you're just looking at the cash outlay associated with purchasing ground and how that impacts the fixed costs on your budget across all of your acres, uh, those things can change considerably at these types of dollar values. Okay. Uh, Luke, we're going to come to you and talk about how we use this budget in our grain marketing plan. How do we take this and, and move it to the next step with marketing grain? But before we do that, Glennis, you've mentioned it a couple of times, the ABC, Ag Budget yeah. Calculator. You guys have spent a, a yeah. lot of time developing that. Uh, is ABC, is the Ag Budget Calculator, is that separate from the uh, 
sample budgets that the, you talked about there, before? No, we actually have those reports included. So if you look at our CAP, Center for Ag Profitability, cap.unl.edu, or also on cropwatch.unl.edu, um, those, those budgets are loaded there. Mm -hmm. And you can actually go back years. So you can actually go in and do some comparisons on how you know, some of the um, input prices, material prices have changed from year to year. But actually, we have the Excel files there. We have PDF um, copies of those, so you can just printable copies. And then also, all of those budgets that, all those budget reports that we've done in the Ag Budget Calculator. So first, right now, I'm doing the Excel because that's how I, I work with um, Bob Klein on those. Mm -hmm. And he knows that Excel, he knows that version. So we do that, and then we load those into the ABC program. So they're there. And then the other nice thing is if you're actually in the program, if you're in the Ag Budget Calculator, which is agbudget.unl.edu, and you set up an account, you can then download any of our budgets, any of those 84 budgets into your account, and then start going in and making those changes that are relevant to your operation. So, so again, that's a, that's a really nice way to guide people and using our budgets. So yeah. you can start with the suggestion, it's like the suggestion or the guide yeah. that is the sample budget, and then you can start moving those numbers yeah. up and down. Yeah. I might have to move my chem cost a little higher because right. I'm dealing with resistant right. weeds and yeah. I have to yeah. throw three modes of action yeah. at the thing. Yeah. But maybe I don't think I have to do as much fungicide so I can move right. those around. And right? you can change the products, of course. You mm. can delete what we have in our budgets and add the products that you use. But I think really um, what's most important, and we've alluded to that is your land costs and also your machinery costs. You really should not be using what we've got in our budgets. Okay, you really need to put your own machinery complement in, all of that information in, so you know what your costs are. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, talk. take this to the next step, Luke, because, uh, again, kind of the purpose of this podcast, right, is to help in actually marketing this grain. So we have the idea, we have the, uh, the document in front of us, and I'm going to assume that we have filled it out and we have a number that we can use field by field or farm by farm. How does that influence our, our marketing plan? Let's start big and broad that way. Well, now that we've got our costs figured out, uh, we know whether or not there's a profitable opportunity in front of us at present. You know, so you had mentioned new crop. Uh, we'll just use corn. Um, you know, 460 is what it takes to pay all the bills next year, and the current market is above that number. You know, you've got a decision to make. Can I uh, start to make sales to offset some of the input decisions I've made? That's generally a really good uh, practice uh, that producers should follow, especially with the volatility in the input markets. If you're going to make a fertilizer investment in September of 2023 or any year, that's typically when some of the fertilizer decisions start to get made for the next crop cycle, uh, you should be looking at marketing grain against that decision. And so having a, an idea of what that crop budget looks like should give you a confidence, you know, to go market grain uh, if you need to do that. But, you know, fertilizer uh, can be you know, 15% of your crop budget, 15 to 20%. It's a big part of the dollars that you spend. And so producers ask, how much should I market against that decision? Dollars in, dollars out. So if, if fertilizer represents 15% of your crop budget, go sell 15% of your new crop uh, as a hedge against that decision. Fertilizer and commodity markets uh, do have a relationship. Sometimes they get a little bit out of whack. And so you don't want to get caught on the wrong side of those cycles where you're buying high priced fertility and then the grain market drops off. And that's certainly what happened um, 
you know, this last year. Uh, we saw fertilizer follow grains higher over the last three years, and then eventually the grain market rolls over, and fertilizer reacts slower. It's a moving yep. average against what the commodity markets are doing. So especially as input prices get higher, you know, you really want to be attuned to that uh, and make sure that you're marketing grain against those decisions. Okay. Uh, you, so you said like in September, that's when a lot of that d those decisions are starting to be made. Uh, and I would – let's – expand that out just a little bit more, maybe September, October, November. Uh, you're, you're starting to do some seed purchases, I think, and, and things like that. Seasonally, where do the markets fall? You know, what, what, what's happening seasonally with the markets? So that, and so I'm going is, you know, when we know this piece of information, what's going on in the markets that could help influence that decision? Sure. We mentioned September, which is typically not a good time, you know, to be making uh, sales. Uh, as far as the crop is concerned, uh, you know, really, when we look at mid-April to mid-June or July 4th, that's seasonally uh, the best time to market grain. And that's the best time to market grain for every crop year that you're managing at once. When we're talking to producers, they're really managing uh, most commonly three crop years at one time. The crop that's in the bin that you're moving, which would be the old crop. You're looking at the crop that's growing in the field. That would be new crop. And in the discussion we're having here, we call it the new plus one crop, which would be the crop that as you make those fertilizer decisions in July, August, September, you know, you can be marketing against those decisions for the new plus one crop. And so generally when the markets are rallying, they're rallying for all three crop years. And so it's the time to sell old crop, sell new crop, sell new plus one, you know, if that's your program. Mm -hmm. So let this idea of new crop plus one, um, are there tools, you know, like once we have our budgets figured out, what, what tools can we implement in marketing grain uh, that, that we can utilize to, to get to a level that we like? You know what I mean? Well, there's a lot of different tools out there. And I think risk tolerance by operation uh, probably informs that decision. Uh, you know, grain marketing does not have to be complex in terms of the tools that you use. You can keep it pretty simple. Uh, you know, certain producers and operators are just cash sellers. That's what they like to do. So maybe that's just a cash forward contract. It's simple. Uh, you know, hedging is uh, certainly a, a popular tool as well and, and also uh, effective and pretty simple. Um, you can get more exotic, you know, once we start talking about options and we start talking about price floors and, you know, leaving your top side open. But uh, for doing that, it does, you know, there's a cost associated with doing that. So, uh, that's specific to the operator. You know, those producers need to find, find out what their risk tolerance is, work with somebody who can help educate them on the benefits and risks associated with each tool. But I think the, the important thing is, is how are we managing the futures price risk, uh, you know, when we're making those input decisions? And for some operators, that can happen pretty early. Uh, you could be marketing the new plus one or at least getting started as soon as you know, June, two years before that crop's actually harvested. Yep. And you made mention, I think we should reinforce that too, that related to this, looking forward, that's going to that's gonna be a, a futures price level that we like. The other half of that is, is basis, and that's going to be a, a separate decision, right? Correct. Uh, and again, it goes back to my previous comments, you know, how do those producers like to market that grain? Do they like to keep it simple with a cash forward contract, which locks in both of those price variables at the same time? Uh, you know, or are we just doing hedging, which is talking about futures specifically. Uh, so again, it just depends on the operation and, and how they want to operate. Um, people are going to analyze that decision on whether it was a good decision or not based on where the market goes after they sell that grain. 
and you know looking backwards to assess whether or not that's a good decision probably isn't fair it's probably not the right way to look at it um, because we don't know what the future holds you know we can make decisions based on the information that we have at hand and that's why a crop budget is so important because you're not making a decision based on where you think the market's going to go you're making a decision because it was profitable to do it because you know what your costs are going to be uh, so having confidence in your costs is always step number one when we build a marketing plan, when we talk to our producers. You know, once you have that, then you can start to make decisions on price targets. Where's my market opinion relative to uh, where things are today? Uh, your cash flow situation has to be a part of grain marketing and when those sales hit so that I've got money coming in as money's going out. Your tax situation plays into that. Your labor situation plays into that. All those other things kind of start to fill in around in the marketing plan. Uh, but it all starts with costs and knowing where those are at. Yep. All right. Um, do you have any, uh, any, I don't know, if anecdotal stories or anything like that? Uh, something that went really good or something that went horribly wrong because we overlooked this very important thing in, in budgeting? Well, I can tell you that, you know, producers are motivated to make grain marketing decisions based on uh, pain. Pain's a big, a big motivator. And so uh, commodity markets cycle. We know that happens. Uh, we've probably just gone through a three-year um, bull market, you know, that producers have done very well at. And if you adhere to the principles we're talking about here on stage today, those producers that, you know, were principled in putting a budget together and marketing against those decisions three years ago, they didn't feel very good after the market rallied because that's what happened. They had committed a portion of their crop, you know, to making sales against that crop budget. And then they saw the market rally, and that didn't feel very good. Uh, the producer that did nothing, uh, on the other hand, felt very good about that situation because we likely locked in inputs at a pretty fair price, and then we saw the market rally. And so when you talk about profit margin and return, uh, things looked really good for that producer. It looked okay for producer A as well, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so that's where people get upside down, and they, and they start guessing. 2012 you know, was early in my career when we had the drought. Uh, in those years. And the forward sellers, some of them, if they weren't disciplined and they didn't stay in that pattern, there was a lot of pain associated with forward sales in 2012. And we saw the drought come in and the market really rallied the back half of the summer. Uh, the producer that flipped their strategy then, you're asking for stories, Chad, <laughs> the producer that felt bad about that and said, fine, I'm not going to sell grain ahead against these input decisions in 2013 because it hurt so bad last year to sell corn at $5 and watch it go to seven and a half, uh, they're the person that got burned twice. Uh -huh. So they sold it on the front end, watched the market rally. That pain hurt so much that they did the exact opposite the next year and they were stuck with high input costs and they watched the market fade. And so we counsel and tell producers that whatever your method is, you know, we're talking about pre-harvest marketing and budgeting up here, but some producers, you know, they're just not comfortable with that. Um, but over the course of time, over the course of a decade, you know, whatever your strategy is, as long as you're consistent, those things tend to level out a little bit. I would say, you know, we encourage people to be pre-harvest marketers. I think it's a, it's a more, um, you're not leaving as many variables up to chance uh, by doing it that way. And those producers tend to tend to grow a little bit. But uh, over the course of time, one person's strategy against another's, as long as you're consistent and not 
jumping into one strategy one year, jumping into another the next year. Those strategies tend to even out over the course of time. Yeah, and as you were telling that story, the thought went through my head is, okay, that person won that, that didn't make the decision that, or that decided to not sell ahead, they won that year. But what happened in the next, I guess if you believe Dr. David Cole, what happened in the next six to seven years in the rest of that cycle? Did they make enough in that one year that they were able to survive the next six or seven. Right. You know, the crop, the crop budgeting evens out the returns over the course of a decade. It may not have as much variability as the individual that, you know, in the example that you just gave, they may knock it out of the park one year, but we're going to start giving away some of what we made in those really good years over the course of the next six. And so as we've come off of the 2023 highs this last summer, it's really been a conversation about 2024 that, hey, if you know what your costs are and we can make money for 2024, we've built our working capital position really nicely over the last three years. Even if this year is not crazy profitable like it has been the last couple, even if you just maintain your working capital, that's a victory. Don't give it back away in a high interest rate environment. So even if you're just selling for break even or small profits on the heels of what was three really good years, I still feel like that's a victory as we go forward until we start to get some of these input prices to regulate relative to what you know commodity prices are doing. I think it's time to uh, wrap up our podcast. Glennis, uh, where, can, where do we have access to the budgets and, and take a look at some of these good guides that we've disguised? Well, there again, um, look at the CAP, cap.unl.edu. Our farm and ranch management information is there, and just look under the crop. Um, side of things, and you'll see those budgets as well as our livestock budgets. But again, Crop Watch too, University of Nebraska Crop Watch, and um, we have those links there as well. So, any questions? And I do ongoing workshops to help people learn about the ag budget calculator, and um, I've got those posted on CAP as far as our information there. Yep. So, and then uh, Luke, final thoughts you as a person who is employed to help people market grain, when somebody comes in with something like that. What goes through your mind? How, do, how does that affect your job? This is going to be easy. <laughs> They've done the hard work, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's just a huge part. You know, you talk about the fundamentals associated with grain marketing. That's step number one. You know, you've got to know what it's going to cost you to raise that commodity or uh, put pounds on a, on a steer. You just have to know what it's going to cost. So start there. It's going to give you some confidence. Grain marketing principles are really simple. It's the execution that's difficult. And so give yourself some confidence by removing some emotion and, and have those costs figured out. All right. Thank you again very much for being here. Again, Glennis McClure, Nebraska Extension, uh, joins us today, as well as Luke Beckman with Central Valley Ag Cooperative. On this edition of Grain IQ, I'm Chad Moyer. Grain IQ is a production of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association with support from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Grain IQ is hosted by Chad Moyer and produced by Rebel Seclocha. It is written and edited by Alex Makovica. Our project manager is Bryce Tuskid. You can listen to Grain IQ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or online at ruralradionetwork.com.